Welcome to Upbringing, where Hannah and Kelty, twins, mothers, and works in progress. Upbringing is a movement that empowers parents to grow up alongside their kids for sanity and social change. Through this podcast, speaking and coaching, we focus on our personal work as parents, the awareness, intention, and approach needed to raise amazing humans while we also get some shit done. Join us to radically redefine kids' resistance as an opportunity to nurture skills and values like consent, nonviolent communication, emotional intelligence, body positivity, and respect. We attempt this by practicing powers beyond control, evidence-based tools that protect our kids' personal freedoms, support their skill building, and better align with how we roll as people. To us, this is the practice of parenting, when we can choose trust over fear, connection over control, and progress over perfection. We're not just raising our kids, we're raising ourselves. Let's show up and grow up. After this brief intro, you'll hear the audio from our latest live Instagram Q&A. Our live sessions are so much fun. We basically Mm -hmm. show up and connect, commiserate, and build skills alongside our upbringing community. Folks write in ahead of time or chime in with questions and struggles around kids' big feelings and challenging behaviors. We typically explore five to 15 questions and offer our take, our instincts, our goals, helpful phrasing, and ways to parent with alignment and integrity using our resist approach. Thank you for being here and for supporting us. And if you'd like to give your family and upbringing some extra support, please visit our website at upbringing.co to learn about our upcoming membership community, as well as our shop, which is now full of informative guides and inspiring prints based on everything we've shared here on the podcast these past two years. Wow. Two years. (laughs) Thanks for growing up alongside us one conversation at a time. Here we go. Hey everyone, welcome to the podcast today. Today we have two very special guests that I'm super excited to bring on because they are not just sisters and not just co-business owners, but they are also twins. So they will be my first twins to interview on the podcast. Welcome today, Hannah and Kelty. Thank you, Lydia. Great to be here. We're such fans of Whole Modern Parent and twins also. (laughs) Yes. I know. I threw that out. So I don't know how much of our audience knows, but I'm also a twin. And being a twin is just such a huge part of your life. I don't think people that aren't twins understand. So I'm like super excited to do this interview and get into the twin flow with you guys. (laughs) (laughs) It's super special for sure. So Hannah and Kelty, tell us a little bit about upbringing and how it started. Yeah, we like to introduce ourselves as twins, moms, speakers, parent coaches, tired ladies, Uh works in progress. (laughs) And we co-parent and do this upbringing thing on a shared farm just outside Portland with our partners and kids. And we both have boys who are five and girls who are seven. And we like to say we're parenting for sanity and social change. That's kind of the mission of upbringing. We love talking about the hard stuff, the parent-child relationship, discipline, the big feelings, the challenging behaviors, spirited and sensitive kids, all the stuff that none of us learned about before we became parents. And we see these challenges as opportunities to grow up alongside our kids for that sanity and social change. So when did upbringing start? And tell us a little bit about its origin. 
I don't know how far back we should go, but it probably when my <laughs> daughter was born seven years ago, we had a trauma in the family. And I think Kelsey and I had always just kind of winged it and just, you know, we're Virgos and we're kind of high achieving, but we also just kind of go with the flow. And I think when my daughter was born, I was like, okay, we are not winging this. I need to figure this stuff out. And then Kelty's daughter was born six months later and her daughter was very, very different from my daughter, right, Kel? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. very different temperaments. And my daughter was very challenging. So it was a fast and steep learning curve for us and really became our calling to kind of find out ways to support my daughter. And then following two years later, my son's spirited and sensitive temperaments and try to get those needs met in a way that we just didn't have, like Hannah said, that skill set yet. I feel like there was like a mass conspiracy that we kind of uncovered. I don't know if it will sound familiar to anybody listening, but thinking like, gosh, this child is challenging. This baby is so tough. Is it something wrong with them? Is there something wrong with me? And I remember asking myself that about Kelty and her kids. (laughs) (laughs) But also I think because of our twinness and knowing her so well and being so aligned in the way that we parented, I knew that we were on board the same way. And then questioning her daughter and being like, who is this little person? And having to see these babies as very unique, even though we were twins, even though we had daughters within the same year, they were not twins. They were very different little beings. Mm-hmm. And realizing that also the pressure Kelty was going through as a parent, where a lot of people were perceiving those things as well. And she was feeling that pressure, you know, as a highly sensitive person being like, I know that there's nothing wrong with me or my baby everyone else seems to think that. And that's really, really hard. So I think that was a huge part of our calling and upbringing and breaking that silence and talking about it and saying, there's nothing wrong with anybody. Parents, you're doing an amazing job. You're not alone. Kids are just unique and they don't necessarily fit into this conformist society, this obedience behaviorist model that we ourselves were raised in and our parents before us and the parents before them. And thinking about that inherited legacy and these little people in front of us now, how are we going to go about this differently? Yeah. So that's when we started kind of doing a lot more reading and basically all of the conversations we had with friends or strangers, we just cut right to the chase. We were like, what's the worst right now? What is hard for you in parenting? I want to hear all of it. Let's just talk about that. And the podcast seemed the next logical option after that, because we just love talking about all these challenges so much. Yeah. And then coaching started up with that and small group coaching. We have a spirited kids club now. And so we found a really great community on Instagram where we started doing a lot of side-by-sides where we struggled with phrasing. And so our community was like, oh, we need the words that can help us change the beliefs. And so that's how we came to be, I guess. I love your guys' approach. And I love the fact that it is all around like the spirited kids. I have spirited kids. And it's funny when you start out parenting and before you start self-educating, the question is, is this a parent problem or is it a child problem? And then as you embark upon this story and what I found is, why is it a problem? You know, <laughs> is it yeah. like what's kind of assessing where I am? And I know you guys talk a lot about like triggers and it's funny because parenting has been so triggering. And I think it's the evolution of figuring out things about myself with my kids. And I also love how you guys talk about growing alongside our children so much, just the way that you phrase that and the way that you highlight it as such a dominant piece in parenting is really cool. Thanks, Lydia. That means a lot. I think a lot of us realize all of a sudden when we become parents or at some point on that parenting journey, 
that this isn't just a parenting adventure. This is literally a crash course in intense personal growth. If we can look at it that way, it is an opportunity to be growing up alongside our kids. And I think that those of us with really spirited kids or sensitive kids with those higher needs that just feel like more, where we feel extra triggered, I think they give us no choice but to grow up. They say, I need you to be more patient than you were before. I need you to be more innovative and problem solve your way through this. I need you to be more empathetic because everything is a big deal to me. So that they ask us to mm -hmm. show up and grow up with them. And in a way that a lot of parents with maybe a little bit less challenging temperament kids can get away with without doing, you know? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we like yeah. to say they call us in. Call they us out, do. call us in. They do. They so do. It's funny. I was I, talking to Michelle this morning because my daughter, she's four and she just straight up told my husband and I, and she was like, I want more time with just both of you by myself, like excluding her brother, obviously. Mm -hmm. But it's almost so like gut-wrenching at first because you go through this shame cycle of like, oh man, I've let her down. I haven't even assessed this or realized this. I didn't know this is a need. But then it's also like, wow, I'm really proud of her for actually expressing that need to us on that level. So then it makes a little easier because everything's just kind of chaos right now, especially as yeah. we're trying to figure out what this year looks like. So it was helpful. But yes, you're right. I mean, they do call us in in these different ways with behavior or just asking. Seems like it's more behavior, though, a lot. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, I think that our kids and especially those sensitive and spirited ones are born as fierce advocates for themselves. They speak up, they stand up, they say no. They know, we call it the inner wisdom and authority is very strong within them that usually diminishes over time with socialization once they're outside the home. But I think as a parent, that can be really hard because our inner wisdom and authority wasn't necessarily treated sensitively and respectfully when we were kids. Our parents did the best they could, but their parents did the best they could, right? And so on. And I think it can be hard to be looking at our child in such a different way, that paradigm flipping, not about we're teaching our kids, but our kids are really teaching us in this really big way. And to say, what about me? What is this personal work I need to do? Like you said, Kelty, of building all of these skills that I didn't think I needed. I thought I already had them and I was going to teach my kid. And now they are requiring them of me. The tables are turned a little bit here. You know, I love how your daughter sounds so fierce and wonderful. Mm -hmm. And that's something that a lot of us struggle with is hearing that feedback from our kids. It's beautiful. It's like a blessing and a curse. It's so great that she will communicate what she needs to you, but it's really hard hearing it because part of our cultural conditioning is, is that we should have thought of it already, or that means we've made a mistake or we're bad or we blew it somehow. And I think that you've done what you needed to do, which was create a safe space for her to be honest about her needs, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I love that you kind of normalize that response because I definitely did feel guilty at first. And I think something that I realized through parenting is like you guys are saying, like you go into it, you don't have a plan, but you do know that like you're going to be the teacher. And then all of a sudden you actually have kids and then you're like, oh, wow, I don't even know what I'm doing. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and they keep developing and throwing things in the mix. And it's like, I don't know, it's always funny. I joke about it. I'm like, just when you haven't figured out, everything just hits the fan again and you have to troubleshoot because you are 10 steps behind again. <laughs> Mm -hmm. They really keep you on your toes for sure. Yeah, it's constant opportunities around every corner. And that's that kind of Groundhog Day effect for anybody who's seen the movie Kelty. I know loves to refer to that movie of saying, oh, the monotony, the chronic nature of doing the same thing over and over again, like Bill Murray was experiencing in that movie. But then remembering too of the opportunity of it, like you get how many diaper changes to work on your skills? You get how many meal times to do it a different way? You get how many bedtimes? Like that can actually be 
a really amazing opportunity if you can see it that way. But it's really, it's tricky. Yeah. Okay. So you guys talk a lot about big feelings with our spirited kids. And I I know there's a lot of, I've even seen it in our household. I mean, just collectively, the stress levels have gone up because we have no idea what is happening. So what is your advice for parents that as we're kind of going through changes and stressful situations happen and we are seeing bigger feelings? Oh, yeah. This has been quite the roller coaster the last year and a half, and it's still not quite over yet. And so I think a lot of us are dealing with some disappointment and a lot of anxiety ourselves. And I think when we feel anxious as parents, we feel out of control and we want to control things. And then guess what? Our kids feel that same way. Like we've mentioned with that inner wisdom and authority, they feel really comfortable most of the time in telling us that and showing us that more than anything. Most of our kids don't have the self-awareness and the communication skills yet to be like, you know, mom, so this whole maybe go to school, maybe not go to school, or this whole maybe wear a mask or not wear a mask, or this vacation that we might have to postpone. It's like, it's really stressing me out a little. And I just wanted to share it with you. And so you and dad talk about it and get back to me and I'm going to go meditate <laughs> and I'll be back in a little while and I'll set the table. Like that's not going to happen. So our kids are going to show those concerns to us in a lot of other ways that are hard for us to interpret. They're going to be regressing, quote unquote. So with sleep, they'll be extra clingy or they'll be extra resistant. Toileting might not want to do those things anymore. might need us to do everything. It might be fighting with their siblings more often or just kind of simmering and have poking behavior. You know, They might be just resisting transitions more often, right? These Everyone's probably like, yes, yes, yes. yes. All of this, yes. It me, right? (laughs) Totally. And I mean, and all of this stuff, you mentioned the beautiful word normalize. It's all good. It's all natural. We're not causing our kids to feel this way. That These are life experiences they're going to be experiencing in their own context forever. And I think that so often our stress can lead us to control them. And I think that we use this kind of automatic parenting power that was passed down from our parents to us and society to us. We call it the control toolbox. Control, I think the, the acronym is consequences on my terms now, threats, rewards, overpower, lectures. And then we throw in, you know, shaming and spankings and timeouts. Time yeah, exactly. But we end up using that control toolbox to feel powerful. But we have to keep remembering that, especially during these moments that are going on right now, we usually use control on our kids or our partners or our employees or our animals or anything when we feel the most powerless. So I think just acknowledging and normalizing that we all feel really powerless in our own lives right now can go a long way. And that giving ourselves grace and letting go a little bit, it sounds really counterintuitive, but going easy on ourselves and also going easier on our kids is actually the way to reduce stress rather than just pile on more microaggressions, more stress, more disconnection. But it's a big thing to flip in your mind in some ways. Yeah. And I think one of the hardest things as a parent that has been for me is I think when you're in the thick of it, actually just being able to process what's going down, (laughs) realizing it's funny because we just had that walk away moment when we walked into the hallway. Of course, the kids were quiet. We should have known, right? And my daughter was cutting my son's hair with scissors. And then we both walked in on this, which, you know, there's a different variables involved in this one. Like we really wanted to grow his hair out. It was like he had not had his first haircut, like beautiful curls. We were so excited about that. Yes, yes. All of that. And then two, we didn't know where the scissors had come from (laughs) with her. And so it was just shocking on. And it was like, 
one of those things where it was just literally, I just asked her for the scissors and I told my husband, I was like, just step backwards, just walk away. We just need to walk away. This is a walk away moment. I was like, I have very big feelings right now. So I ended up crying. I'm not like a big cry, just a little cry, but it was just one of those things. And I think that's the hardest thing. I mean, because you don't know what's coming your way, especially like with kids. I mean, mine are four and almost two. And it's just like things you don't even think about. happen. It's funny because you spend your whole life preparing for education and then your job. And it's just like the preparation for kids is not near enough. (laughs) Well, that's what it is, is it's preparing as we're learning. So just like with your daughter saying that she wants more time without her little brother, which is totally legit request. The same feedback was handed to you on this scene where she's getting that little scrapbook sample of his hair a little earlier than you'd (laughs) planned, right? That's also feedback. Oh yeah, I need to be around a little. Oh yeah, where were those scissors? Let's make sure those are out of the way, right? Mm -hmm. It's also great feedback. It's not necessarily something that you should have known or should have prevented or should have prepared for or could have in any way, Mm -hmm. right? But those moments are so tricky. And I love that you walked away because I think two things happen. Sometimes we just lose it in those moments and we're reacting and that is totally okay. And then other moments where we might not be losing it quite so much, but we think they have to know and I have to teach in this moment. And so much of our work is about saying you don't have to teach in the moment when you're feeling upset, when you're feeling frustrated, and when you might be digging into that control toolbox right away. So taking that space is just a wonderful thing. It was a genius idea to think, I'm going to get in my best brain space. I want the learning to happen when my kids' brains are feeling receptive and open and not freaked out by my freak out, Mm -hmm. right? It was perfect. Yeah, I'm not sure that actually cerebrally I had processed all that. I think it was more, I knew I was going to cry and I didn't want to cry in front of them. Walk away moment, but it did give me the space and time to process, which I needed. So, something that I love that you guys have is your resist approach for discipline. Can you talk to us a little bit about this? Yeah. So, we already mentioned the control toolbox that we've always got in our back pocket as parents. The majority of us were raised with some kind of level of the control toolbox. It's kind of this hierarchy, this framework of parent-child where parent teaching child, parent focuses on child's behavior, parent uses these tools of control to manipulate the child's behavior. That's the teaching model that the control toolbox uses. And we all know now there's so much more research out there now that that's not how kids learn best. That's not how kids feel best. And that's not how kids will ultimately do best. And it also calls into question our values as like progressive ladies and where we say, wow, we're using power in a certain way in our home. So not only when we use this control toolbox, are our kids missing a learning opportunity or feeling disconnected from us, feeling shame for their needs or their feelings underneath the behaviors, but they're also learning something really interesting and critical about power and how to use it and how to experience it. So when we use the control method, so to speak, That's what our kids learn. So they learn by the way that we're teaching them, not just our intention of you shouldn't cut hair, but they're going to learn if we yell at them about it, that when you don't like something that someone does, you yell. And so it goes against a lot of our beliefs that we should say, well, just my intention should be enough for them to learn, but they're actually learning about how we're showing up in those moments, right? So the resist approach, Kel, do you want to unpack it a little? Yeah. So the resist approach basically is an approach that we created. It's a loose sort of six step model of conversation based in nonviolent communication, 
based in connective parenting, positive discipline, based in basic empathy, respect for humanity. And yeah, the acronym is RESPECT, EMPATHIZE, SYNC UP, INNOVATE, SUMMARIZE, AND TRUST. So these are the steps that we kind of loosely go through in a moment when we're holding that control toolbox at bay as best we can to <laughs> lean in and connect with our kid instead of just correct and control them. And that's how the learning ultimately happens is the resist approach creates what we call relational security. It helps our kids feel safe. And when our kids feel safe, the emphasis in their brain, the activity in their brain can be in a learning place where they can build their prefrontal cortex rather than just stay in that hind, fight, flight, freeze, freak out mode where a lot of learning doesn't happen. And the resist approach teaches those things. We want our kids to learn, not just experience and feel like that's normal to be treated with respect, empathy, loving limits, innovation, trust. They're going to be learning these skills because we're practicing them and interacting in our dynamic with them through challenges. So it doesn't just teach them about our power in a more responsible and sensitive way. So when they're in power someday, they can use it more sensitively and abuse it less. But it's also teaching them about just how to show up in relationship, how to see conflict. Is conflict something where someone's right or someone's wrong? Someone did something? Is a shame and blame, victim aggressor cycle? Or is conflict just two people or more's needs not quite getting met? It's a safe place to work through, to sit in the discomfort, to move through it adaptively. And again, most of us haven't experienced this personally. So the resist approach isn't something we can just like whip out and be like, oh, nailed it, right? <laughs> <laughs> Yes. And you're so right. And just like, as you're walking through this, I think there's a couple things that hit home for me in like hard, uncomfortable ways. But I think with my parenting, I don't think that what I'm teaching until you really process it, my response to their behaviors or how I'm triggered and like what that looks like, which does include yelling at times. I didn't fully understand that that is what I'm teaching them. But as I think about it, it's something we talk about a lot with Whole Modern Parent is generational change. I grew up in a household where when there's conflict, there was always yelling. And I see that I am just recycling that pattern naturally. And I'm seeing like now, because that's what I, I was taught. And it's interesting when you break this down kind of to that level, it's not just like you're saying, like the power of the control, which man, that toolbox is so tempting. <laughs> right. Oh, yeah. And I love that you're holding yourself with grace. And we all try to do because this isn't our fault. So the fact that the control toolbox comes so instinctually to us, even though the resist approach is very intuitive and feels you know, good, makes feels sense. good, it makes sense cognitively. That's not our fault. We were conditioned in a control-based family, possibly, in a control-based culture. Most of our institutions are based in control rather than respect and trust and all of these other things. So there's no fault in us for being like, oh, damn, like I can see it. Okay. All right. But that awareness that you have mm -hmm. is the, the beautiful thing. Realizing that you might be sounding a little bit like your parents did. Those are great reminders to think, what is this script that I'm saying? All of a sudden, as I'm thinking about this, I'm like, where did this script come from? Why am I saying these things? Was that me or was that my mom? Where did this script come from? You start mm -hmm. looking at it a little bit and thinking like, would I say that? Do I believe that? Is that my motivation? Yeah. <laughs> my character would not say this. We recommend so often, especially in these spirited kids groups, as we're working with these folks on reparenting and breaking these intergenerational cycles and working on their healing to just tear up that script. 
and to think of their interactions with their kids more as an improv routine where we're not sure what they're going to throw at us. We're not sure what we're going to say in response, but we're going to feel our way through it. We don't have to be the writer, the director, the lead actor, the stagehand, the producer, all the things in this little world that is our family. You know, it can be looser. It can be more flexible. It can be more spontaneous. It can be more vulnerable and more connective, mm-hmm. right? And it calls into to realize that it isn't just the mom show. Our children, they have their own personal reality and their own stage play that they want to say and they want to bring. And that's what their resistance is. That's what the big feelings and the challenging behaviors are saying, give me space on this stage interact with me. Let me lead something. Let me direct something. And it makes for a way better show. It's really Mm -hmm. scary seeming, but. (laughs) (laughs) No, it is. And it's something we talk about it with our kids. And it's funny because just watching the blossom, it is, it's so fulfilling on this level, but just seeing little pieces of their personalities come out as they grow and develop. And I think also for me, just like as a parent, I think making the shift from just full soul caregiver of babies to now they're like little contributing people with like personalities and they have their own wants and needs. I feel like that was a big shift just mindset wise as a parent, you know, and there's constant transitions, but I felt like that was like a big one. You go from freedom to baby to now you're transitioning to giving them more space. Yeah. It goes from your freedom as a parent because you're making all the choices and calling all the shots to then they get to the age where they're saying, where's my freedom in all of these things, right? Yeah, but it's so cool to see like who they are and their excitement. And some of the things are a little strange sometimes, but you're like, we'll roll with it. because That's you figuring out who you are. It's okay. <laughs> but it is amazing just watching them assert themselves to find their space within the family unit, which is very interesting. So I appreciate that you said that this isn't something that you can like just mark off the box to make this transition because it doesn't feel like that at all, even though, yes, all of it makes so much sense, like everything in the resist approach. What advice do you have for parents that know that they probably don't want to be where they are at parenting? They want to make a change. It may feel a little scary. They're not sure about like what this looks like. There might be some triggers just from past traumas that are there as well which we all have, and we're realizing we bring those into our parenting. (laughs) What's some advice that you have for parents wanting to kind of start transitioning or trying on some new styles? That's such a great question. I think we're all starting in different spots with different aged kids, with different points in our personal growth journey, right? And reparenting journey. And Kelty and I always like to say, trust over fear, connection over control, progress over perfection. And I think that We do all of those things one conversation at a time with our kids. So parenting isn't just this thing we put onto our kids or do perfectly right away. It's an ongoing, evolving process that takes time. It takes awareness. It takes curiosity. It takes experimentation. It takes repair and post-processing. And there's no one right way to do it. And again, it's not about changing our kids or fixing our kids or controlling our kids. It's about growing up alongside our kids. That's what builds their learning the best and creates the relationship that we want to have throughout the rest of our lives. So I think just acknowledging that we're all doing our best and that it can just start in really small moments. We could take one thing that's going on with our sensitive or spirited kid that's bugging us or really difficult in our lives and say, how am I showing up in that? First of all, let's look at that script. Doesn't feel so good. Wish we were saying things and doing things differently. Let's rip up that script and let's try something else. And so that's why we offer so many helpful phrases and mental mantras on our Instagram and website, because so many folks are like, I just need 
some words that feel good to me. They're a little bit different than what I was saying, but a little bit of a new script that I can practice saying to kind of move me into these moments in a different way and start a new script on stage with my kids. And it's not going to be a complete day transformation. It's just going to be a small thing at a time. And then you slowly build on those, but it takes time. It does. And I will say, I think this is going to tie into finding out more about upbringing, but the mantras on their website, everyone that's listening, please take a look at them. They're amazing. They're absolutely beautiful. I told Michelle, I was like, these are like things you frame and use as art in your house as well, especially if you're for anyone that has playrooms set up. But sometimes it is so helpful. And I feel like for me personally, through just my parenting journey is changing my vocabulary dramatically changes my perspective. I mean, literally it can just be changing, like you're saying, like annoying for a term to spirited. <laughs> and it's just like, okay, you know, you see them in different lights. And I, I think it is so powerful and the messaging is powerful. And, and also giving yourself support through mantras, I found are extremely, extremely helpful. Hannah and Kelty, how can our listeners find out more about you and upbringing? Yeah, you can visit our website, which is upbringing.co. And our Instagram is the same handle as that. That's where we have a lot of guides, access to our Spirited Kids Club, small group coaching, one-on-one coaching, all the side-by-sides, videos, video clips, live Q&As, all that stuff. That's where you can find us. Those are kind of our two hubs. Okay. And we like to close our podcast episodes with the question, and this is to both of you. So what makes both of you whole modern parents? Hmm. I think a whole, I love that word. I think our kids are born whole. And I think a sense of wholeness for us, I guess from striving towards that alignment in our values and our approach, that's wholeness to us is saying how I feel inside and how I act on the outside are connected. And they're related and that feels really good. That's a wholeness for us. And I think modern means for us doing things differently. I think than previous generations, you know, with that appreciation of our parents and past generations, with that forgiveness for their work, their own inherited traumas, that we're all doing it differently. And then that's the opportunity we have is to be moving forward in that way today toward wholeness. Yeah. What about you, Kel? Yeah, I, I was going to say, okay, <laughs> just... Yeah, I think whole modern parent to me is just, we like to give ourselves and others permission to just show up and grow up, just challenging those beliefs, admitting our own ignorance, you know, questioning ourselves, not doubting ourselves, just questioning ourselves in a safe way. And also stepping into our power as people and parents as we raise that next generation and parenting ourselves along the way. Thank you so much for joining us today. Those answers were beautiful. So lucky to have you in the parenting space. Everyone, please take a look at their website. I will link to their things in our show notes. And Hannah and Kelty, thank you so much for your time today. Thanks so much, Lydia. Thank you, Lydia.